0: Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Matthew.
1: And I'm Jasmine.
0: Welcome to The Adventurer. In this episode, we're going to cover chapter four, Simple Warrior. And I think Jasmine found some stuff in there that she thought was not so simply put. And I try to tell her, there's a reason I put it like that.
1: I feel like chapter four is the epitome of the reason why we started this podcast. Because I, who have become very well versed in reading very complex and overly gargantuous texts, was struggling to get through this chapter because there were some sentences in there where I was just like, I had to read it four or five times to even understand what I was looking at. It, It was really funny because around sixth grade, I learned this phrase to impress people. And it's, I utilize gargantuous idioms to proprietate intelligence, which is a big fancy way of basically just saying, I use big words, to sound smart.
0: And for me, I feel like that's what the, the community at large is, is really doing when they're trying to figure out how to prevent suicides and, and heal people's moral wounds and help them with mental health and overall with physical health as well. It's really in my mind, not that complex.
1: Well, and as important as it is to be able to articulate yourself in an intelligent manner, especially whenever you're trying to get on board people of higher intelligence and get their backing and the scientific community behind you, it's also really important to be able to speak the language of the people that you're appealing to. You don't want to throw out giant words to people that are just like, I, you just confused me. You made me feel really stupid and that <laughs> made the issue worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. That's why I really like this podcast, because it's just taking all that and condensing it down into really easy to understand conversation. You don't have to sit there and read it and highlight and go over and ask your college professor what it means. What does
0: he mean? Exactly. Yeah. Why don't you read an example for everybody?
1: So one of the sentences that I found just right off the bat, kicking us off, the effort to better understand PTSD creates complex algorithms that postulates knowledge for sympathetic enthusiasts. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I wanted to lead with that in this chapter to to really kind of put it into context on this is not the solution to to post traumatic stress and the cure to suicide prevention is it's really not that difficult.
1: I just feel like you don't really need to overcomplicate things. It's Occam's Razor, for example, they talk about how you're overcomplicated things. Sometimes a simple solution is the right solution. You don't need to go look in, in the Himalayas for, you know, aspirin to heal your pain. You know what I mean?
0: And I agree with you, but we, in our culture, have a tendency to devalue. We devalue the things that are so easy to come by, such as nature as a pharmaceutical is absolutely unconditionally free well it should be free yet we don't place that much value on being able to go outdoors and that right there is as simple as it comes walk outside put your feet in the dirt look at the sky right take it all in
1: yeah and i mean why would you accept the simple answer the answer that's right in front of you whenever Mm. you could just you know do so much extra For example, whenever I have something that's broken, like let's say my computer's broken and I could take it to a computer analyst or whatever and they could sit there and break it apart and say, oh, it's the hardware and then I have to fix this razor and connect this circuit breaker and this and that whatnot. Or you could just walk in and whack it on the side real quick and then that seems to fix everything. So it's like, there it is. There's a simple answer. Turn
0: it on and turn it off. Turn it off, turn it on. And that's
1: exactly the advice that you get whenever you call... Text support, yeah. have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? Because reset. sometimes, simplest answer is the correct answer. Yeah.
0: Reset, reset. And that's a lot of times what I do when I go outside
1: I think a lot of this chapter talks about how I think one of the phrases that you use is you actually have to bring people into your war in order to be successful. And I don't necessarily think that you mean like hand them a sword and they need to fight your demons for you. It's more like just let them in, let them know like, Mm -hmm. hey, this is what's going on. I I just need a minute. And something that you also touch on in here is that people are becoming part of the problem by not being understanding yeah. or empathetic or sympathetic of what you're struggling with.
0: What I tell a lot of religious leaders, a lot of community leaders, a lot of nonprofit leaders when they're asking for my advice is just be empathetic. Right? Try to find ground that you relate to with them. And if you can't, and yeah, that's okay, but find an ambassador who can. Mm-hmm. Find someone in your church or someone in your in your in your nonprofit. Find someone in your business who can relate to this warrior because they have value, man, and they can bring something crazy to the table that's gonna really just set you over the top, mm-hmm. like in a successful way. And all you gotta do is tap into and harness their energy and their dedication and their loyalty and just watch what happens. But when you set them aside, you watch them, and you observe them, or you make them start over from scratch and have to approved themselves. That's kind of demoralizing because Mm -hmm. in the military, we we always rank up unless we messed up, right? We always rank up and move on and we're earning badges. And when you look at somebody in their uniform, you're like, bro, I I got it. I see you. Mm -hmm. I know where you've been and what you've done. Mm -hmm. In a civilian world, you don't get that. And so we're not really allowing their merits to lead.
1: And that empathy is not always necessarily something that is achievable. I mean, let's go back to a couple of chapters ago when we were talking about spouses and the relationship that you have. A civilian spouse is not going to be able to be empathetic to her warrior husband's struggles that he's dealing with. So let me uncomplicate something for you guys really quick. Here's something that will just take a lot of the fights and a lot of the resistance and a lot of just strife out of your daily to-do with your spouse. If your spouse is complaining about something, the best thing to ask them is, do you want help fixing this? Or do you just need me to listen? Because sometimes I'm not looking for a solution. Sometimes whoever's talking to you, whoever's bringing you into their war doesn't need help. They just need somebody to listen to them. So ask them, hey, what do you need from me? How, what kind of listener do you want me to be? Do you want me to be somebody that's just listening to you and offering you emotional support? Or do you need me to be somebody that will help you come up with solutions? Yeah.
0: And the advice that I've given you and Adina was ask that question before the conversation starts. So mm-hmm. you know how you should listen because we all listen. You're supposed to listen differently. Are you listening empathetically, sympathetically, or you listen to fix something, right? Mm-hmm. And, through that compassionate lens, if you would, it, it's what drives that conversation with an individual.
1: I don't think that you can rely on somebody for divine insight or peace because they're going to fail you. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we are human and we're gonna fail and fall in some capacity. There is not a single person that can measure up to the divine goodness that is God.
0: I agree with you 100%. I do, wholeheartedly. So
1: I think, sorry, I think that... Finding your person that you can confide in and expecting them to give you that peace and that reassurance, you're almost glorifying them. You are putting them on a pedestal. You are saying that this is the person that will bring me peace. And I think that that is is a really dangerous mindset to get into because once you put that person on a pedestal, they are going to fail you at some point, as is the flaw of humanity. They're going to fail at some point. And that is going to bring your entire system down.
0: I definitely agree with you. But We do need to uh, allow for failure and be able to see that that wasn't God that failed, that was the human condition that failed. Mm -hmm. And the good thing, we're talking about hunt the good, the good thing that come from that individual or that situation, that good thing is from God. Mm -hmm. And, And that person allowed themselves to be used by God. The bad thing is the human condition. And so if we're really wanting to simplify it and separate it, just draw a line in between the two it's really not that complicated
1: right i think one of the most detrimental things that ever happened to my mental health one i, I don't want to say that because i feel like that's a lot to put on somebody's shoulders but mm. something that significantly impacted me was when i expected empathy and an empathetic response and was not met with that yeah I don't know if I was expecting more sympathy than empathy, but I was expecting from a person, I was expecting more of a response that soothed my soul, that made me feel like, okay, it's fine. And what it was was when I was a brand new military spouse, I was struggling with my husband's constant absences because of work, and I reached out to another prior military spouse and I was like, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I really miss him. He's gone a lot. And their response is, why? He's only like five miles away. I'm like, yeah, okay, he's five miles away, but I still don't get to see him for two weeks at a time. He's still gone for two weeks at a time. He doesn't have his phone. I can't talk to him. I can't see him. And it's every month. It's hard. It hurts. This absence hurts. I can't develop a routine. I, I don't have any friends. But there was no empathy or sympathy that I was given. And that hurt more than anybody else's response. Or when I turned to a confidant one time and they turned around and said, well, you knew what you were getting into. Please, for the love of God, if a military spouse ever tells you that they're struggling with something, please do not tell them you knew what you were getting yourself into. Because that is just, I, I want to, that makes me so angry when people do that. It makes me angrier than when people don't use their blanker.
0: Yeah, that's pretty bad.
1: I caution anybody that goes looking for empathy and, and seeks that comfort in a human being. Mm. I think that you should first and foremost turn to God. And I don't think that getting on your knees and praying should be a last resort. I think it should be your first resort.
0: Oh, yeah. I agree with that. So back to simplifying things and how we overcomplicate things in our society. Let's take the policing, for example, mm. and how we're trying to solve the, the crime pandemic or the hate, I would think that the solution is real simple. People be looking for peace, the peace that passes all understanding. People be looking for happiness and joy. They'd be looking for all kind of stuff, but in all the wrong locations. You see, in my mind, I think that if you want to really combat crime, you really want to bring peace to America, to the world, you need Jesus. That's a simple solution.
1: Jesus was the embodiment of love. God is love. And it says that in Colossians, one of my favorite Bible verses in Colossians, it says, and out of all of these put on love for it binds everything in perfect unity. And that's what it is right there. I think that thinking that a trigger has to be tangible or a direct action is a flawed thought. I think that people can see goodness in you. And then that in and of itself can be a trigger for evil right? Mm-hmm. So you used to tell me, cause I used to really struggle in middle school. I had gone from a private school where it was very small, close knit military community to a public school. And it was my first experience with a general population. I was not a big social media person. I was very, you know, just in my books, whatever. And I had a really hard time making friends because I was abiding by a very strict moral code that I was raised by. Mm-hmm. And I would come home and I'd be very distraught over this. And you would tell me, they don't like the Jesus in you. Yep. They can see the Jesus in you and they don't like it. Yep. Some people are just repulsed by goodness, by yeah. kindness, because yeah. they cannot measure up to that. Yeah.
0: That's profoundly baffling when someone who mercy and grace, and forgiveness, refuses to accept the very thing or the very person who brings it. Mm. You know, they, they lash out at it.
1: So we were in the movies last night. Okay. And... I ended up talking to Kyler about this, my husband. I was so mad. It was such a good movie. But I was so mad because there was somebody almost in the front row that was on their phone right after the message on the screen came on that was like, please turn off your phones. And the movie was starting. And I could see what they were doing. They were flipping through Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that the world revolved around you. I didn't know that everybody had to abide by the rules except for you. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you say you are inconsiderate if you fail to evaluate how your actions impact those around you.
0: Yeah, and that is one of the things that really drives my motivation in trying to share the goodness of Jesus with other people because I believe once you're saved, you begin to think about how your actions impact other people, such as Christians should use your blinker. Christians should say thank you when someone does something for them. If a Christian's walking across the street and someone stops for them, they should give them a head nod or a wave. You should be paying attention. And if you're not, I'm not saying that you're not saved, I'm saying you can do better.
1: And I think that that should be, you know, expanded upon a little bit. A good person should use your blinker. A good person should say thank you. Yes. You don't have to be Christian to be a good person. Common courtesy. But I think I'm so baffled by... People just not having a desire to be a good person. Absolutely nothing provides the all-encompassing satisfaction that God provides. So the further away we get from God, the more and more of that greed and that desperation that you're going to see.
0: And that's where we just start trying to fabricate and synthesize things to where we can try to solve it ourselves when it's already been solved. Hey, the solution's already there, everybody. You ain't got to spend a lot of money on developing and researching and trying to figure things out. It's already figured out. And it's no secret. It's in my book. And it's what we do at Tenkin Incorporated. We live out the solution. And it's very simple.
1: And without him, you'll continue to be problematic and maintain a self-destructive course that affects others.
0: Him being God, him being God, not me, (laughs) because I'm human and I'm flawed.
1: Right. Okay, so moving back to simplifying things, Mm. I got another quote for you here, and and I'm sure it's a head-scratcher for a couple of you because even I had to reread it like six (laughs) or seven times. You say, We have popularized multifaceted algorithms to bolster our positions in global hierarchies to better situate ourselves, us as a nanocatal, super-sophisticated being for a singular purpose of transformation. Please tell us what that means
0: we're basically trying to figure out how to be better humans without god. We're so, trying to be god ourselves. That's what it means. And we're we're trying to create all these solutions and and implement all these amendments to our US constitution and create all these rules and and, and we're just trying we're just stepping on what's already there. The 10 commandments is all you really need. Very basic, very simple stuff. You don't have to amend anything. You don't have to make exceptions to anything. You love your mom and dad, and you respect them. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Right? Don't 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 murder.
1: You know that's so crazy. So I was on Facebook the other day, and I was going through one of the military spouses' pages, and just post after post after post of these women that are struggling with their marriages. And it's because their husbands, and and I'm sure it goes the other way, but this is just for this example, just their husbands making them feel terrible. Mm. I mean, one of the women we're talking about like her husband being on Facebook, just liking posts of a woman posing seductively Mm -hmm. just, and she's like, it makes me feel disrespected. And she went on and it was like this whole big problem with her marriage. And I'm just sitting there thinking like the answer is simple. Like if you love your wife, don't disrespect her. I, I don't feel like that is a complicated premise to grasp. If you love your wife, if you love your husband, don't do things to make them feel unloved.
0: This is Mark Gunger, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. He tells about a woman's mind being very intrinsic. Wires are all over the place, are touching, and everything has connections to everything else. And Where I see it to be very simple, if you're a woman, you understand women. If you're a guy, you understand guys. I can also see how it could be very complex for somebody who doesn't really get it. Like you're dealing with Marines and Marines are a special breed of individuals. God bless their soul. And if I'm ever captured, I want Marines to come rescue me, all right? I'll fight side by side with the United States Marines any day. But- Hoorah. Hoorah. But um it's all about knowing that individual and what to expect from them, right? So you don't expect Kyler to be able to snipe a deer running across the road mm-hmm. once being chased by dogs because he's just not trained to do that. If you did, you're gonna get expect you're gonna get disappointed. And I'm not justifying their actions for looking at inappropriate pictures right. while well, they're married.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I'm not saying that this is the end-all be-all solution because it does take effort on both parties in any relationship, in any conflict. I think that the answer is pretty simple, though, is communication.
0: Yeah. I don't remember who said it, but they said that women need to be loved and men need to be respected. That's simple. Simple as it gets. A man needs to be respected to feel loved. A woman needs to be loved to feel respected.
1: Mm Mm-hmm you actually talk about communication in your book. Communication is one of the simplest forms of resolve, but it has been proven to be one of the toughest lessons to learn. Following up, and it's actually exactly what I was going to say, accountability for interaction or lack thereof has wrecked countless relationships. Perfect segue into what I was going to talk about, because going back to what I was saying before, you need to acknowledge and you need to take responsibility of what you've done wrong so let's bring this back to ptsd and let's bring it back to struggling with suicidal thoughts homicidal thoughts depression whatever you're dealing with right it's important to be able to communicate despite how you're feeling with the person that you are closest with and saying hey i'm struggling today i really would appreciate some empathy or sympathy i need you to love me a little bit louder
0: And if you're a warrior who is able to talk through it, that works. But I know a lot of warriors who just can't talk about it whenever they're in it. It's like being in, it's like skydiving, for example, and trying to have a conversation with the guy on your back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just ain't going to happen. We're free falling on a crash course and sometimes talking about it for some people is counterproductive.
1: Okay, so let's figure this out. Because my rebuttal to that, or not even rebuttal, but my concern to that is I acknowledge that there's people that are not going to be able to talk about how they feel. However, the people around them, you cannot just expect, that's unrealistic to expect them to just understand what you're going through. You have to bring them into your war. So to those people or, or to the people around them, how would you advise them to handle that situation? Let's say you're going through a bad spell.
0: Yeah, it's back to find a battle buddy that's empathetic, someone who knows. And for example, don't expect your religious leader, don't expect your pastor to be able to sit with you and not say a thing if he's never walked your mile. You need to find someone who's walked your mile, who gets it, and who jives with you. Like Chino jives with me. You, you know, I choke up on stage. My man, my he takes the mic and he starts talking. He helps me through it. That's the kind of stuff, man. That's the kind of brothers and sisters that you need to find. And again, just find somebody that, that works for you and with you. Someone who's willing to pray with you. Who's willing to get in a foxhole with you. Someone who's willing to walk. Find that person that that empathize.
1: Military, law enforcement, and EMS divorce rates are through the roof. And it's very, very sad. I don't think that it's fair for spouses of a struggling warrior to not know how or when to handle that. Maybe we talked about in a previous episode, maybe you are your partner's battle buddy. And that's great because that means you understand them. But if you're not, then you're just at a loss. All you see is your warrior shut down, go through a dry spell. You don't understand what's happening. And as the fault of humanity arises you been the poke and prod at them trying to elicit an emotional reaction because you don't know what's going on i don't think it's fair to say that there's nothing that can be advised to the warrior in communication with his spouse because he just can't talk about it i don't think that's fair to the spouse
0: so this is a problem that we are addressing as an organization we're looking at creating a program to where we can educate and create inclusion for the spouse's of our military and first responder personnel. Not only that, but train them on how to be involved, how to be a support partner. And the reason why this is so important is because traditionally we think as a spouse, you support your husband by taking care of the house or you support by providing financial income or you support by Raising the children or taking them to school or whatever the case may be. That's not always the case. A lot of it is emotional, Mm -hmm. spiritual, mental, whatever you want to call it. That is one of the most significant support roles that our hidden heroes go through. Our hidden heroes do not get enough support for themselves. And that's what we want to create. We want to create a program that says, thank you. Thank you for going above and beyond. Thank you for sticking with your warrior, and this is how.
1: I think that acknowledgement is extremely important. However, that's not necessarily what I was asking about. What I was trying to get at was I don't feel that it's fair to the spouses to not be let in whenever your warrior is struggling with that. And I think that that lack of understanding and that lack of communication, because you just said that there are going to be some warriors that aren't able to communicate, I don't think that that establishes a fair balance in a relationship.
0: Do you know vicarious trauma? Mm-hmm. Vicarious trauma tears apart a lot of marriages, mm-hmm. probably just as much as financial burdens. Okay. You as a spouse want to know, but what if your husband told you, He's having nightmares of murdering innocent women and children. Just hypothetical. Mm-hmm. It's not this is just complete hypothetics. You're gonna look at him differently. Right. Guaranteed. Okay. This is why a lot of warriors should not share their demons with their spouses.
1: Okay. I can see that. And I, I can subscribe to that idea. What I cannot subscribe to is you completely shutting your spouse out whenever you're having a bad day I agree. or having a bad bout. Yep. So how can you overcome that? Because I feel that a lot of people will overcorrect and say, okay, I won't share my demons, so I'm just not going to tell her whenever I'm okay. having a bad day. Yeah.
0: So here's a perfect example. The things I talk about with Chino mm-hmm. are not the same things I talk about with Joey mm-hmm. or John mm-hmm. or Steve or you or Dina or my wife, Liz, I share different things with different people. Everything that's bothering me because then I began creating wedges in my relationships with them. And I feel like it's redundant to tell the story of all the things that's wrong yeah. to every single person that's in my life. My circle would shrivel up really fast.
1: I understand that. So I guess... The best thing that I could advise to spouses or supporting partners of a warrior is learn to recognize the signs, but to the warrior, you need to be able to talk to your spouse and let them know what the signs are.
0: Yeah, warriors don't shut out your spouses. That's that's a huge foul. Don't shut them out because you're only asking for trouble. Let them in, but you know, let them in at a level that you're confident that it's not going to mess them up because you... you Do not want what you fought for to fall apart, right? So be careful what you share, but share.
1: So I think it kind of goes back to the beginning, what we were talking about when we were saying that, do you want me to listen with the purpose of fixing this or do you want me to listen to be empathetic? So I guess it's the same thing can be applied to this situation, right? So
0: I know a lot of spouses who get offended when they're not let in. mm -hmm. Well, You got to tell me what's going on. Uh, well, not, not nothing, man. I'm, I'm okay. You got to tell me and tell me what's really bothering me. And they get offended when the warrior doesn't tell them about the demons and then they get hurt when they do. Mm -hmm. And so let's not, let's not complicate this, right? Just respect your man and men love your women. It's that simple. Communicate with one another to the best of your ability, but also remember that we're all broken. We're all flawed. We all suffer from the human condition don't be greedy sharing it's caring
1: i don't want to give the wrong idea that we're enabling lack of communication not at all yeah you should definitely at least be able to understand from a spouse's perspective be able to understand that there's going to be some things that they're not willing to share but the warrior also needs to acknowledge that he needs to share some things at least the bare minimum of i'm really having a bad day and then the spouse needs to be like, "Okay." I understand you're having a bad day how can i help or do you need to be left alone or yeah what do you need from me
0: you know i had nightmares and liz is like you know, talk about it? i'm like nope she's like okay moving on i'm like atta girl
1: Yep. i guess it's just going back to like the battle buddy thing you have to understand that you can't be everything to your partner just like and, and then it doesn't make you less of a partner that doesn't make you less of a, a spouse to your partner if you're not their battle buddy
0: that's correct earlier in the conversation we started we was talking about how how God works through us. And and you wanted to make sure that everybody understood that you know people are, are flawed and that if we rely too heavily on people, we glorify them and mm-hmm. that it's important not to glorify anybody but glorify God. I wanted to read a little passage here under non-profiteering that I wrote. It says, God is and has always been on the move through amazing people. I can only pray that through my present purpose, enough is accomplished Balance the scales.
1: So what you were just talking about with in our prior conversation with, you know, you tell Joey this thing and Chino this thing and this person that thing, you know what I mean? Um, the purpose of your relationships is it can be different. Just as your purpose in the world and in what is going on is gonna be different. So just like you were talking about previously with the different relationships, your purpose with this person's relationship is different than the purpose of this person's relationship, right? going back a couple of chapters when we talked about your purpose in this world is going to be different as well. I think a lot of people are so caught up in being the head or being the chief or the leader of this newfound idea that they have that you lose the fact that you don't need to be the spearhead of this. There's a lot of great organizations that are already out there that you can jump on and take them to the next level. Mm-hmm. They already have their network. They already have people that they're reaching, and they could reach more people versus starting from the ground up. And you lose a whole demographic of people.
0: That's kind of the point of what we talked about in the very beginning: is recreating the will and trying to figure out how to do things differently. Right when the solution's already there. Mm-hmm. If a nonprofit's out there and they're already doing a fantastic job, jump on and help them succeed if a church is doing a fantastic job don't go start a church right next door because that in my mind might not be reflective of the of the right spirit
1: so previously when we were talking about the cure you said that there isn't a fixed formula basically it's a spiritual thing you need to get right spiritually you need to fix these 10 facets of your life and if you get a good balance then you're good to go basically right but it's not a pill that you can take correct however in this chapter you say that there's 10 simple steps that you can take to end conflict what were you referring to
0: i was referring to balancing those 10 life elements
1: oh okay all right well that's pretty simple um i think that is important though to remember that even if you have your life in balance There's a whole mess of people that don't. Mm -hmm. And you have to equip yourself with not only the tools to handle your own conflicts, but to handle the conflicts that other people are going to bring to your doorstep.
0: Oh, the unpredictabilities. Yes. I think I discussed that in chapter three, didn't I?
1: I'm not sure. I don't recall. Yeah.
0: Y'all read the book and let me know if I did or not.
1: (laughs) What I know, though, is no matter what you're dealing with or what you're going to face, you're going to be okay. Because guess what? You've already survived your most difficult challenge.
0: Mm. Ooh! So one of the things that I learned about a year ago—I don't know who quoted it, who said it first—but they said that the most difficult challenge that you'll ever face is the one you're currently in. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's tough. I mean, that's so—that's so accurate because when I was in my PhD, that was—I wanted to quit. Mm -hmm. I want to be like, oh my goodness, this is way too much, but it wasn't as bad as, you know, being deployed and being deployed wasn't as bad as, um, other things that had come before then, right?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people get so caught up on looking inward at the problem that's right in front of you. That you can't see the forest for the trees. All you see is right what's right in front of you, and you forget that you've dealt with things that are bigger than this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is not necessarily your biggest challenge. You know what I mean? Like this, but it is a challenge, and it is what's right in front of you. So that's what you're focused on. You're right up looking like face to bark with the tree, and you're like, man, this is a really big tree. But you don't take a step back and realize that the tree next to it's even bigger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So. I think that that's really important and that's actually something that you reference in your book as well and you say that your older brother actually has a saying about that do you remember that
0: what I remember him saying was that when you're too busy looking in you can't see out
1: Mm. yeah I can't find it but that's exactly what it is right and so you're too busy looking at your current problem that you can't see everything that's going on around mm-hmm. you basically is what it kind of boils down to. Well,
0: you can always reverse that when you're all when you're way too busy looking out, you can't see in. So there's a lot of people that lose touch with God because they're serving God relentlessly and they lose that relationship because of burnout. Mm-hmm. So maintaining that personal relationship with your Lord and Savior is is the most important thing because that's eternal this life is temporary and the things that come the troubles that are those all pass away but having a resilient relationship with god girl that is going to last forever
1: and it's important to have that balance Yes. looking intrinsically and looking extrinsically no matter what you do it's important to have a balance because if you're too far looking inwards then you're not going to see what's going on around you and if you're looking at the things that are outwards you're not necessarily going to be reflecting on how this measures up to your moral compass so you could be like oh well it's just uh, a night out at the club Like, what's the harm in that? I won't even drink. I won't flirt. I won't do anything. It's just a night out at the club, right? And the next time you're like, well, I'll just wear this dress. It's just a dress, right? So the frog in the boiling water.
0: Oh, yeah. I was getting ready to bring that up. Well, Chris.
1: So why don't you tell that story? Because it relates perfectly. So
0: I was talking to Chris. uh, I was going to ride around in the dog hunt scenario. And he, he got to talking about this, that, and the whatnots. And I was like, buddy, you go to church? He said, when I was a kid. I remember going to church at this uh, one conference and this one pastor came up there and he said, everybody that believes in Jesus, come on back here in the back room and meet me and just dropped the mic and walked out. I'm like, oh, that was weird. He said, yeah, but the other thing I remember, the other thing was when a preacher came out and started talking about a frog. He said, you take a frog alive and you put him in a pot of boiling water and he's gonna jump out. He said, but if you put that same frog In a pot of cold water, and you slowly turn up the heat, that frog will sit there and swim around until he's dead. And what Jasmine was talking about just now was the very same thing. The more you tolerate sin, the further away from God you get.
1: And furthermore, the more you tolerate those intrusive thoughts the more you're going to be okay with those intrusive thoughts.
0: Oh, girlfriend, you're getting ready to leapfrog into some other chapters because we talk about feeding the wolf.
1: (laughs) Well, what I was going to was it's all spiritual warfare. Oh, yes, it is. And you want to make sure that as you're dealing with your own spiritual warfare, you are not causing attacks on somebody else's. Through your inconsideration, through your boisterousness, through whatever you're dealing with, don't be so far drowning in your own struggles that as you're flailing around, you hit the guy that's helping you next to you Mm -hmm. or you're causing damage because you're so caught up in dealing with a demon you're fighting with, you don't use your blinker and you cut off the guy that was in traffic (laughs) and he has PTSD and now he's triggered and he's gonna go do whatever, light the woods on fire or whatever, I don't know.
0: The one time I'm driving through Ocala and I don't use my blinker, this truck driver calls me up. He looks my he looks up. Yeah, he's using his phone while he's driving, mm. right? He looks me up, calls my number, and I'm like, unknown number. I'm not answering that. I'm driving, right? Calls again. I said, well, this must be urgent. So I answered it. He said, who's driving a 10-can truck down through Ocala? I said, well, man, that's me. He said, next time you cut me off, make sure you use your blinker. I said, yeah, that's my bad, bro. Yeah. And we hung up and I was like, you know what? I don't wanna leave it alone, I'm gonna call him back. Oh, no. And so I called him back up and we started having a conversation and I let him know, man, thank you. Thank you for calling me. And traffic in Ocala is horrible. It's just, It's just awful. But I wanted that guy to know that I was appreciative of him taking the initiative to call me out because I'm good with that. That's where my level of humility goes. Sometimes I might not be good at it because it's all about time and place. But as far as that situation goes, I accepted my flaws there. Mm -hmm. I accepted that I did wrong. And I was, as soon as I did it, I knew I was wrong. I just cut this dude off because I, you know, a little bit of anxiety in traffic. I got very offensive in driving. And I was just trying to get out of that hot mess, man. (laughs) And there was no turning around. I was on mission. I had to get to the place I was going so i just press through it and um dude calls me up the one time i don't use my blinker
1: well what's so great about that particular situation in any situation like that is that we are given a gift We were given the gift of love Mm -hmm. through Christ. Yes. And through that, we have reflection and consideration of others. Yes. And it's so important to be able to utilize that gift because you never know when your actions might impact somebody. For example, I was in high school and I invited this girl to sit with me one day. Yeah. I don't even, I didn't remember this. This was so like just such a normal thing that I do. I was like, hey, you're sitting alone. Do you want to come sit with me? Right. Four years later, she meets my dad and or she meets you and she's telling you that i invited her to sit with her at lunch one day and you told me about it and i was like i don't even remember that but that was so that felt so good to know that just something so small and so simple touched somebody's life and made such a positive impact on them yes so it's so important to seize those gifts seize your life seize what god has given you and, and don't forget to show and share that gift because, you know, your Christmas is coming up. You guys are going to get some really cool toys. I'm sure you're going to want to show them off. You know what I mean? So why not show off the love and the life that God has given you?
0: Yeah, and that within itself is a gift. Jesus is a gift. Mm -hmm. And as I told the youth around the Christmas tree yesterday at our organization's Christmas party, I said, these presents represent Christ. I said, if you take these presents and you hide them away and never use them, they're useless. I said, but if you take these presents and you use them to make a difference, if you go out and play with them, so what, they get broken. Mm -hmm. But you use them for what they're made for, the gift that they were given to you, accept it and use it.
1: Yep, be strategic, be brave, and boldly live life to the fullest.
0: Fullest, yes. And that's why we as an organization live adventurously. Thank you, everybody. Again, I'm your host, Matthew.